0: so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, in the great cycle of the liturgical year, we come once again to the season of Advent, the season of vigilance and expectation. I don't know why, but I've always loved Advent from the time I was a kid. There's something I think about expectation here below that's almost better than realization. Somehow when you realize something, it, it fades so quickly, but the expectation is very intense, exciting. And see, I think it's reflective of the fact that this whole life is a kind of advent. We know that whatever we accomplish, whatever we achieve, whatever joy we find is transient in this world, that in fact we're perpetually waiting for something more. Maybe that's why Advent has always struck me anyway as a specially rich spiritual season. Well, the readings for today are all about expectation, they're all about keeping vigil. It's appropriate for this first day of this season of waiting. First reading is taken from the 63rd chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah. It has to do with the passionate expectation of Israel during their time of exile in Babylon. Now, I've said to you many times before, to understand the exile in Babylon, we have to think about September 11th times 1,000. It was the ultimate calamity for biblical Jews. Everything had fallen apart. The nation was destroyed. The temple was burned down. The people carried away to a distant land. Well, this was God's chosen people. The temple was his dwelling place. Jerusalem was his great city. How could this be? How could God have allowed this to happen? And so for 70 years, while they waited in exile, Israel anguished. Israel looked to the Lord and they wondered. Listen now to this line from our first reading. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. With the mountains quaking before you. Now, see, mind you, that is not so much the language of praise, that's the language of anger and deep disappointment. Why don't you come down? Why don't you make the mountains quake before you? Why don't you act? Israel is waiting. Everybody listening to me right now can identify with these Babylonian exiles. You say, well, how is that possible, these ancient peoples who were carried away to a long-forgotten city? Well, look, everybody listening to me right now feels in one way or another captive, put upon, exiled from where they want to be. And therefore, everyone here feels the anguish of exiled Israel. How long, O oh Lord? Maybe you find yourself in a very dry period, spiritually arid period. You say, how long, Lord? Maybe a time of, of great financial distress. A lot of people right now are feeling that. Maybe a sort of emotional, psychological distress. You say, how long will I wander in this place of depression and anxiety? It appears as though God has hidden himself. And so we cry out with anguish. How long, O Lord? Listen again to this line now from Isaiah chapter 63. You have hidden your face from us. You've delivered us up to our guilt. Again, isn't that the way it seems, friends? As though God has hidden his face from us. So. How do we make sense of all of it? Well, now comes a master image, and I'll propose it to you as a master image for Advent, for a time of waiting. Listen. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. Friends, can I invite you to let that image sink into your mind and your heart? especially now during Advent. Yes, we're in anguish. Yes, we're in exile. Yes, we're compelled to wait. We're frustrated. Lord, why don't you come down? We all feel that way. But this is the way the biblical author resolves it. Lord, you are our Father. We know that. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. Okay. Let me unpack this image now a little bit. There's a lot in it, I think. As I've said to you before, I think a lot of people in our culture are haunted by a fundamentally deist conception of God. What I mean is we see God as a distant being, a distant cosmic force. But the God of the Bible is not the deist God. Rather, God is intimately involved in the work of creation and redemption. Think of it now, Christians. God is always at, always in act, always involving himself in the world. St. Irenaeus of Lyon, that great church father, said that God is unmade. He's the creator. But we and all of creation are continually being made. See, we're being shaped by an artist. God trying to fashion us into something pleasing to him. God is not so much at the top of a high mountain waiting for us to come to him. Rather, he is, even now, working, active, shaping us. And so, this image of the potter and the clay, maybe a bit foreign to us, but very familiar to ancient people, God is sovereign. God is the maker. God is about his work. Listen now, even though we might not be able clearly to see it and understand it, we are like clay. Simple, humble, apt to be shaped. Does the clay tell the potter what to do? Does the clay set the agenda, set the pattern? Uh-uh, uh-uh. The clay is being shaped. God is the sovereign maker. Now, here's another image. I love this from St. Irenaeus. He says, As long as the clay remains moist and supple, responsive to the moves of the maker, the shaping process is relatively painless. But, if the clay becomes brittle, hardened, reactive then it can break under the influence of the potter. Think of the potter now working at his wheel. As long as the clay is, is wet, it's moist, he can shape it sort of effortlessly. But now that clay is becoming hard, becoming reactive, becoming brittle, well then as he tries to shape it, the clay breaks. This is Irenaeus' great image for the spiritual life. See, what happened in the sin of Adam, he said, was the supple clay became brittle. When our own wills, our own projects and plans, our own pride come to the fore, then the shaping that God wants to effect in us is painful, difficult, at the limit, impossible. We can become so resistant to God that God doesn't shape us. That's called mortal sin. It's called falling out of the right relationship with God. And so, with this image in mind, think of everything that happens to you. Success and failure. Gain and loss. Friendships that develop and fade away. Financial setbacks. Sickness in your own body or in those of loved ones. Think of this all of it, everything, as ingredient in God's shaping of you. Whatever happens in some way is expressive of God's shaping desire. The question is, what kind of clay are you? Now, here's where the idea, I think, of waiting and watching really comes in. The steps involved in making a piece of pottery are pretty time-consuming. Finding and gathering just the right clay, putting it on the wheel, turning it and turning it and turning it, all the while molding it with thumbs and fingers, sometimes starting over again when one idea didn't pan out, shaping the desired piece, and then finally carefully placing it in the oven, in the kiln to fire it. Think of that whole process. Let it it sink into your mind. All this time, the clay is basically passive. It's allowing something to happen to it. Now, I know, this analogy, like all analogies, limps, because in our case, we're not just inert matter. But see, still, God shapes us precisely through our minds and our wills and our freedom. Nevertheless, the basic attitude is one of waiting and hoping and watching. What do we watch for? Well, perhaps where we are in the process. Is God pressing his thumbs and fingers into us? Pressing in precisely where we have protruded. Forcing out where we would prefer to stay in. Think of all the things that happened to you. You say, oh, it's just this and that, just one thing after another. No, no. It's all part of God's very active process of shaping you. Is God perhaps starting over again after our resistance had spoiled his first attempt? Maybe God was shaping us a certain way, but then we became so brittle, so reactive that we broke. And now God carefully tries again. Or how about this? Are we being placed in the oven, in the kiln, in order to fix us in the shape that God has given us? The darkest times, the most painful times in your life, the times that are like fire. You know, it's no accident that people have used the imagery of fire for hell. That's what it feels like to be in this deep depression or deep darkness. Well, what is that? Could it be the time precisely when you are being placed in the and the kiln to fix you, to harden you in the shape that God wants you to be in. And all this time, can I suggest, we should be excited, not about our projects for ourselves. See, finally, those are pretty dull. We've all got them, I know. We all have our personal plans, what we want to do. But, you know, God laughs at our plans because God's plans are so much bigger. They're so much greater. What we should be doing all this time is exulting in what God is doing for us. That God's working in us. Are we looking with expectation toward the people that God wants us to be? No matter what the cost. And so, like ancient Israel in exile, we wait. Because we're all to some degree in the land of exile. We wait, we watch, we cry out to the Lord. But while we're doing so, we keep this master image in mind. We're clay. We're clay. We're passive in God's hands. But there is this great heavenly master, not at a distant remove from us, but yes, even now, here and now, in all that happens to us, carefully molding us into the people he wants to be. Wait for that, friends. Watch for that. That's a very good Advent attitude.